You're listening to FluxPod. My name is Matt Perpetua. This episode features Molly O'Brien and Chris Wade from And Introducing. I'm not going to even do the whole regular spiel here. I'm just going to have them right now tell you who they are. Molly, you go Great. first. Oh, I'll, I'll go first. Ladies, ladies first. Um, hello, I am Molly O'Brien. I am a person and I have a couple of podcasts. I also make vi- videos specifically a- around and about music, music videos, videos about music. Uh, co- and uh, the of the podcast, I'm co-host of the And Introducing podcast, which is about words about music and Infinite Cast, a podcast in which I read David Foster Wallace's Infinite Jest to my husband, Chris, sitting across from me, uh, both sonically and physically. Hello, I am Chris Wade. I uh, My main thing is producing the Chapo Trap House podcast, but I'm also on and produce uh, and introducing and Infinite Cast with my dear wife, Molly O'Brien. <laughs> All right, so we're going to talk about festivals. You both have gone to actual music festivals but yeah, I want you to tell me a bit about your two very different festivals. Because you basically went to a festival very for different. older people and a festival famous <laughs> for being for like basically children. You say that's correct. You say festival for older people as if it's like a fe- like a festival for that they bring like geriatrics to. It's the AARP. It's ARP Fest. Yeah. I mean, it, okay. When I say older people, I mean festival for people who are around my age. Yes. Uh, like middle aged and into uh, a little deeper into middle age. Um, I think mostly a Gen X festival. Correct. And then the other festival was mostly for Gen Z. And you were yes. both prime millennials. We were lo- We were the lost millennials, uh, bo- bobbing between these two two generations. The one could say we're the lost generation. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um. Wow. I mean, I I had a great time at both for very different reasons. We yes. went to riot riot festival, uh, in Chicago, Illinois, United States, uh, which was both of our first times at Riot Fest. Isn't that isn't that right, Chris? Correct, though I have gone to other festivals in Chicago, but not for over a decade. Chris has gone to Lollapalooza and Pitchfork. I'd been to neither. This is my first festival experience in Chicago. And um, that that was incredible. I honestly had a great time. Uh, the headliners were... Who, okay, so there is a three-day festival technically with Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but there was a, Thursday, a sort of bonus Thursday available to ticket holders who of all three days and uh morrissey headlined that that night should we just go like night by night yeah let's go let's go night by night we'll we'll, we'll just move through the experience and you only went to one day of the uh only one day of governor's ball which was literally all all literally all i could handle the idea of going to three days of governor's ball would truly uh, incomprehensible to me we'll we'll Um, get to post malone and the rest of the gang a bit later (laughs) yeah sure yeah, so Riot Fest was in uh, Douglas Park, which is, again, a place I, I had never been to. Um, and this obviously first uh, post-COVID festival, uh, I believe they postponed for just, just the one year. And yeah, Mor- Morrissey headlined. Uh, Patti Smith is what we first caught when we were there. And I was, my expectations were not very high for Patti, mostly because, like, you know, she's in her 70s now, right? Yeah, early seventies, I think. And she totally blew me away. She was like funny and had banter, 
and like the sun was going down and the sun was in her eyes and she was complaining about the sun being in her eyes and she was like her her son was on stage with her playing guitar like she was she was a whole vibe and a half and i was very pleased to get to catch patty in a festival setting lenny k was there lenny oh, wow. k was there I, I wouldn't be surprised to have patty smith be good at banter i mean she's a talker you know she's yeah. a talker she's a storyteller a poet obviously um and yeah right so riot fest like the the general programming is rock music with guitars yes that's the and you know specializing in kind of maybe 90s and like, aughts right Basically. 90s and aughts emo uh punk uh, etc. So it, the the audience was kind of self-selecting in that way of that. I I looked around and I recognized the types uh, of of folks there. It was there, you know the you had your studded denim vests and your like full on, on like all black like chiffon and then everything in between. Uh, and I, I felt I felt comfortable in this group. So am I correct in assuming that the bonus Thursday night was basically a constellation for Nine Inch Nails and Pixies dropping out last minute? Uh, my understanding is that they always do a bonus Thursday night, but this year they juiced it up, yes, because yeah. of the Nine Inch Nails and Pixies dropping out last minute. And then like explicitly gave everybody who had Sunday tickets access to the Thursday night, which I usually believe is only open to people who have all weekend. Tickets. All weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's cool. I mean, it sucks that uh, Nine Inch Nails and Pixies couldn't be there. Yes. I, I know that they were kind of the big draws for both. of you. Yeah. I think if they had announced this lineup without Nine Inch Nails and Pixies originally, <laughs> we would have probably much less, have been much less inclined to like, buy tickets and travel to Chicago for it. Um, but it was so great without them. So what yeah. was Morrissey like? <laughs> he was fucking great. He's Morrissey. What can you say? He's, you can say a lot about Morrissey. <laughs> I know. <Yeah. laughs> That's kind of why I asked. <laughs> you can't say a lot about it, but as a musical performer, like I, you know, somebody that we probably would not go out of our way to see, but this is the great thing about festivals. I wouldn't just, pay, mo I wouldn't pay money for an individual ticket to see Morrissey at this point. Let's put it that him, way. But him just getting thrown in, you know, we're cash back. Yeah, exactly. We're watching Alkaline Trio finish up their set, and we're like, oh well, I guess we'll go see Morrissey. And then you like turn around and walk across the field, and fucking the opening chords of How Soon Is Now strike up, and you're like, oh fuck, it's Morrissey. It's fucking Morrissey. All the Morrissey songs. It's great. Right. His and if you and if you play How Soon Is Now, like especially yeah. right at the start, it's like, right. okay, you've you've got a lot of goodwill with me right now. Yeah. I think he won he won people over in, in that sense because I didn't I was certainly not seeing a ton of hype uh or hearing a ton of hype for, for Morrissey that night in comparison to the other headliners, but he got a good he he whipped up a good crowd. Um and he, he looked good. His voice sounded amazing. Like whatever he's been doing to keep the instrument uh tight is working i assume it's honestly just drinking a bunch i think of tea. i think it's that he doesn't smoke right oh god because yeah. oh, everyone whose voice really deteriorates is because they smoke <laughs> yeah it's very annoying to see that uh like health recommendations are actually true that one shouldn't um shouldn't inhale cigarettes daily and that it will benefit you in some way <laughs> who to who to thunk Maybe he vape, he doesn't vape. No. I bet he thinks vaping is childish and yes. uh, and and annoying. I think he would just be like, "What is?" <laughs> he would just he would almost be like a like a like a 
like a, a person from the distant past looking at this thing like what are you even doing yeah. Yeah. you know yeah yeah. Uh, he said a few weird things, uh, but they were so cryptic, you couldn't even figure out what he was going for with them. So you just kind of let them slide by. At one point, he was like, which, like, at some point, you'll have to decide whose side you're on, ours or theirs. And I was like, I would what? like some more information, please. Morpheus is announcing race war at Riot Fest. Right. Or just like, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I don't know. Like, the, I just need more details of like what, what the, what, what platform are we working with here? Yeah. There are yeah. a lot of contexts where you can ask which side are you on, uh, in which it is maybe more of an empowering one. Uh, but, you know, you just have to kind of read between the lines of his stage banter, but he doesn't go into it. And then, uh, you know, like most things, you can just kind of uh, ignore it as he uh, sings his very good songs. Although some things you couldn't ignore, like he did have a backdrop that said dairy is scary. <laughs> like he was going like full on vegan, militant vegan, oh, which God. again, I was that... I was hoping to close my eyes and vibe by that time. Now I just want the Smiths to finally do it, get back together. And the record is called Dairy is Scary. Dairy yeah. is the scary. sequel the to Meat is Murder. Yes. Totally. Dairy is yeah. scary. Yeah. So uh, that was that was night one. I, I just want to shout out yeah. my favorite Morrissey moment, which is him singing a Morrissey solo song that I I, I wasn't really familiar <laughs> with, uh, called "You Have Killed Me," which I don't even know the lyrics to, but was just like he, kind of sussing it out as he was singing it, just like the perfect Morrissey sentiment of him just being up there, being like, "You have killed me, and you have murdered me, and now I am dead because you have betrayed me." You know, like that kind of thing. It sounds like someone making fun of Morrissey for it, real. Uh, it's it seemed like it. Yeah, but, you know, he was it. You Friday was Smashing Pumpkins headlining, right? Yes. Which completely blew me away. I, I went from, you know, I, I, I saw it. I've always liked kind of the singles and like the really, really big hits. I've always been into those. And then we did an end introducing episode with uh, Leslie Lee the Third talking more about it and got, kind of getting a little bit more into the brain of Billy Corgan through his live journal entries from like a decade ago but this i was like they completely ripped my head off i am like fully pumpkins pilled and corgan pilled <laughs> and like have been listening to them honestly a ton since since riot fest so, okay, okay go ahead Chris. oh i was just gonna say the thing that really uh worked for me seeing the pumpkins live which is not something that i kind of expected from them but you know really enjoyed is the uh breadth of genres that the pumpkins can uh man can present live where from song to song it'll go from like grunge to like a new order style dance rock track to like almost new metal to like a 70s psychedelic psychedelia song uh to you know just straightforward almost like u2 sounding arena rock like they, or like just, tonight tonight kind of an orchestral yeah, grand yeah, yeah exactly uh, yeah and then like acoustic song acoustic ballads yeah. like it, it, he has the range he does he, ha he does uh have the range like yeah it just there's a lot within the set it's like it's one of those things of like if you don't like what's going on wait till the next song and there's a whole <laughs> new vibe yeah, the set list that they're playing on, I guess they, they played a festival in New Jersey and this festival. 
And this, the set list they had for those shows is just like, it's basically like 14 or 15 hits that most everyone knows. At least, yeah. at least seven of those most everyone knows. And then like some really well chosen, uh, deeper songs. And then like, I think four or five new ones. And it's just, it was really balanced. And there was some songs mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen the pumpkins, uh, I don't know, like five or six times now, something like that. And it's a couple of Billy Corgan shows, but there's a bunch of songs they played in that show that I've never seen and would love to like crush for example, or what's the other one that was, uh... oh yeah. Shame. They played shame. I love that song. Yeah, they, didn't they pull out one that they hadn't played in like years? Oh yeah, Quiet. They haven't played Quiet since 1994. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, they totally, I mean, they just, they totally ripped. And again, just like seeing them in the festival setting is like, you've got a lot of room, you know, obviously everyone's standing, but you've got a lot of breathing room. I remember I had taken a, a THC edible and was kind of more expecting to like, sway and vibe and then he started they started playing bullet with butterfly wings and i was like jumping up and down and like freaking out and like headbanging and stuff and like i'd i just like didn't realize that i was about to get get my shit completely rocked oh Um, right because they're also playing like that and today like right off the top yeah yeah so like again like that festival mindset that i love in bands is like you obviously like you've got fans and you're playing for them but also you are trying to maybe catch the ear of someone walking by being like oh damn like i remember that song i could get into this you kind of do have to like sell it a little bit which is why i do enjoy seeing festivals and seeing bands in that setting where it is it's not just like a bunch of heads like it's also people that might be casual or maybe not into them at all yeah, I mean, I imagine that the people at the Riot Fest, like a pretty significant number of them, would be at least somewhat interested in the Smashing Pumpkins. I mean, it's also Chicago, and yeah. totally right, hometown. Yeah. And I think that that contributed also just the mood of the show. Uh, Billy seemed like he was in a very good mood <laughs> the entire time. You know, obviously the first show that he's pl- probably played in like two years. Uh, he looked like he was very happy to be back out and it felt like, you know, I, I don't know how specifically designed this, but it seemed like he was happy that the, the, it, uh, it lined up that his first show back got to be in Chicago. Um, lo- he was of- shading, he was shading the South side. Like he was, he was getting into a little like intra Chicago neighborhood politics, which was felt <laughs> cheeky and fun. Uh, he was dressed like a uh, jester wizard. <laughs> okay, yeah, this is what I wanted you to get into. I wanted you to yeah. talk about this the presentation of the middle aged, uh, I think he's probably about 54, 55 year old Billy Corgan. Uh, his whole face painted white. You and know, like he- face and head. Yeah. Like it seemed and like beard. His, it, yeah, had been he just dunked his, his head in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Man group style. <laughs> but, but you know, the like kind of Elizabethan style, yeah. you know, like powdered white yeah. thing with a, I believe, a playing card heart and a playing card diamond under each eye. And then a uh, floor length, like gold and deep maroon, like gilded uh fleur-de-lis style robe i mean he looked like lord varus basically yeah. <laughs> but like a rock star right because he's he's tall but he he's he didn't like gain a lot of weight but enough that he could look more like lord varus than the classic billy Gordon. he's a big guy he's a yeah. big guy yeah i i described him to you in a text matthew as he's luxury evil bald like he's like he's leaning into his sort of like uh, uh, 
uh, devious, like courtly thing, which I think is, I think it's a great mode to be in yeah. for aging men. He was, He's been he going for like a, a dark evil thing for quite a while now, and certainly in the bald era. But I think, yeah, over the past few years, he really has gone for this like very luxurious look. Yeah, like I know, um, I remember after he did the show, he was talking about, the outfit he created for this and it was like i can't remember specific what he was getting it from but it was like some 18th century stuff he was like getting into wonderful because he, he, he is, is married he... he's married to a fashion woman a woman who is a like a sixth generation furrier although now i believe she makes <laughs> um uh she does faux fur instead and other designs so he's he's tucked into the fashion world at this point via his marriage no he's not married by the way he has oh, right. I'm sorry. They have two children they have but children they have not together. married they're not they're decidedly not married that i guess that is important for the brand he they're living in sin he is <laughs> uh, he is a prince or an emperor uh i think emperor presi- yeah yeah presiding over his court of uh rock songs the the other funny thing to know that b- both chris and i were very amused by is that near the end of the smashing pumpkin set philly uh, introduced this small wizened man whose legs basically seemed to start at his armpits and he had a guitar and he played really really uh virtuosic uh like guitar hero style guitar with him but he introduced him as something that we both misheard as michelangelo video <laughs> <laughs> and we were like who is michelangelo video that's a fucking cool name we it's a it was a mishearing his name is michelangelo batio who is uh like a legendary um sh- chicago turned la like punk musician like has been doing it forever but i just w- i really enjoy it. It, it colored the end of the performance that we were like who is this tiny man named michelangelo video he, he looked like danny devito playing a character or like if frank and always sunny like misheard uh a costume party suggestion and showed up as a 80s la strip <laughs> michelangelo video yeah <laughs> Uh, wow. So he basically found a person who is his exact physical opposite then. A short squat yes. man. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, that was, and any, then they ripped guitar else? solos for like seven minutes and it was great. Yeah. It was totally mind blowing. Happiness is loneliness and loneliness is cleanliness and cleanliness is godliness and God is empty. Just like me. Anything else to note about about uh, Smashing Pumpkins or just Friday in general? I mean, just you know, you get we got to see a lot of great stuff. Living Color and Fishbone, both rock. Oh, wow. The Living Color guys were great. Uh, Major all, Black Rock Coalition acts yeah. in the late eighties. Exactly, they were on the same same stage back to back. So you know, if if you're into that, you could just hang out there. Wait, so tell me about Living Color because I would kind of love to see Living Color at some point. I mean, they're also they're also great. They're like. Uh, four or five very well-dressed black men in their 50s again just ripping amazing guitar solos over uh, their own brand of like politically charged funk rock yeah vernon reed is i think at this point one of those people who people don't even really think about but he really is like such a great player and you know i was going into some of the the post hit 
what is it, what's the name of the, the record that's called the personality on it? like the one after that mm-hmm. uh there's a couple records after that and there's there's some really interesting stuff on it and stuff that this feels like oh wow you, you got here to this sound about 15 years early yeah I, I recommend checking them out in, the, in that sense of just hearing like uh vernon reed and them just get to some things a little early a little too early for it to really register um i also would want to shout out a, a a good festival experience is seeing a band like motion city soundtrack which is not again totally. something that i would not seek out but kind of that perfect thing a band that's been around forever uh that never has really had like a hit but has developed a cultish fan base around them so the people who are there to see motion city soundtrack are like super fucking into it and they are super fucking grateful for their fans and they're playing like a set for their people at a festival and you can feel that energy there and even if you've never really cared about them beyond the uh i'm on fire song which is the one that i knew from them like you can tell that they have a relationship with the audience there to see them and everybody's really into it and it's just very nice to be able to walk by a massive crowd of people who you can watch enjoying their favorite band even if they're not your favorite band in a band i I guess that they're kind of an emo band right yeah emo pop punk with like a little like winky comedy to it you know it's funny because like my i don't really know that band i've no i know i've like heard it in passing even just doing like survey things but i have no real memory of it except the only thing i really associate with it is like years ago uh a friend of someone i was dating was one of their wives (laughs) okay yeah i was like oh that's the band that that girl her husband right (laughs) <laughs> i mean like they, hung they, out in his place while he was on tour at some point yeah, they're li- <laughs> yeah. i mean you, the kind of band i appreciate they're lifers they've been doing this like probably like 25 years you know i i'm sure they've maybe had some lineup changes or something but i think it's like basically the core members you know uh i always appreciate a band that's been able to stick around that long at that level you know yeah who else played that day was it, it was uh Anything else oh, good? Oh gosh, we um, saw Sublime with Rome. Okay, yeah, Rome. I want to hear about that Sublime with Rome. We, I, I don't honestly. I, I think at that point we were more focused on trying to eat dinner, um, and didn't get like a full, a full beat beat on them. Um, Kiss I feel City, like it's I really pretty like. good like music for the background while you're getting food because it's not totally. even the real Sublime. Yeah. It, yeah, it's it's a it's great food background because yeah, uh, 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 I I recognize I recognize the the Sublime with uh bradley r.i.p and it does see right now i think isn't there only one original member of sublime in yeah sublime it's like the with bassist Rome? and like a bunch of other people it's or kind of like, like its own wait thing. so the drummer dropped out at some point i think they did i don't want to say for sure but i was looking we at their wikipedia the, yeah. i mean there's only three people like in sublime right yeah i think i think it's kind of like almost it's a its own new thing now but i want to shout out kississippi that's a uh newer band uh i believe female fronted there was a stage that there were five stages and like there was one stage that for better for worse was kind of like the cool girl with dyed hair stage uh that was sort of like tucked away in the trees uh of the park that always like the entire lineup was just like cool bands that are happening now that are sort of like alt at alt and different um but i i really enjoyed kississippi that that that's one to watch for me wait, wait um, so about sublime with rome yeah. Should the other guy drop out, the bass player, the drummer, whoever's the, the remaining original member, should he drop out? Would mm. it become Sublime is Rome? Sublime <laughs> is Rome. Sublime equals Rome. Yeah. 
or Rome, or just for, Rome. AKA Sublime. Yeah, that's a good. No, question. you have to be Sublime because that's the selling point. No one wonder, cares. About wonder Rome. if it then became Rome plays Sublime. Hmm. Yeah, maybe that's Rome, good. Rome plays, plays the Sublime hits. I like Sublime is Rome. <laughs> Sublime is Rome. Sublime is Rome. Just sounds like it might be an emo band too. Yeah, exactly. That's true. Um, should we should we talk about Saturday? Yes. Do it. The bit the big marquee for us was not a headliner but we had to see andrew wk yes have you seen andrew wk matthew no i just missed every opportunity i've ever had in my life to do it the hilarious thing about seeing andrew wk is that again he he rocked he rocked my shit i think he rocked chris's shit as well and then i was checking the subreddit for riot fest all weekend just for like tips and tricks uh, any you know any intel, especially since the uh, public transportation basically broke down every single night. So I yeah. was I was mostly looking at the subreddit, trying to find a, a good way home from the park every night. Uh, but one of the posts the morning after Andrew WK, someone posted and was like, "Did Andrew WK seem subdued to you?" I <laughs> <laughs> was like, "I don't know how to say this, man, but no, he was uh, like whipping his hair around. His band sounded tight as shit. They were loud as fuck. Listening to those like keys get pounded uh, really fulfilled me. I I'm not sure, you know, I'm I'm obviously not familiar. It was my first time seeing Andrew yeah. WK, but he did not seem subdued. I mean, yeah, it's it, possible that this guy had just been to some incredibly off the charts lit Andrew WK shows. I'm sure they happen. Sure. I mean, yeah, all, totally. any, anybody has a spectrum of a good or bad night. It's possible you saw it. Because, you know, there's times where you'll see something that's got, uh, you know, it's technically an off night. But to you, you have no reference. So you think it, it rules. That is the, the yes. beauty. The beauty of live music is that what? Yeah. What one man's uh, low point is another man's. Uh, wow, wow. They they killed it. But I, I had a I had a great time at Andrew WK. I, I think he was playing Ready to Die. Was it called or like we all we all have to get ready to die? And I just turned to Chris and I was like laughing hysterically uh, because it was just it was the most absurd thing that I've ever heard. Just like this pounding keyboard. Yeah, like, that, that was one of my my main uh, enjoyments of the Andrew WK set is how brutally high in the mix the clean <laughs> keyboard is or the clean <laughs> piano is. It is like almost set. seemed like a mistake, but yeah, it wasn't yeah. a mistake. It was that, that, that's that's why you know you have your name is your name is the band. You get to have your instrument as loud as you want in the mix. Yeah. Yes, it it, it it's great. It. Yeah. I, uh, I'm he, sure he if played... you go see Bon Jovi, John Bon Jovi's guitar is louder than Richie Sambora's. <laughs> <laughs> but but he closed out the night on the smallest stage, which was a, a good vibe um, because I think Run the Jewels was playing against him. We've seen Run the Jewels a few times. Um, and you will again. And and we, we will I'm again. sure we will again. Absolutely. We, we literally have tickets. Oh, to see we do again. have tickets to see Run <laughs> yes. the Jewels. Next Eventually year we shall for, uh... see them in Raging It's the Machine. Tickets we bought like two years ago. Yeah. yeah. Fingers um, crossed. The, the other highlight I wanted to shout out from Saturday was Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, who we saw for the first time. And what was the again, impression you got? The impression <laughs> I got, they, they just, they ripped, they they crushed, they were like, I, like I got a little, we, I think that was our first pit experience, right, Chris? Yeah, we got in the pit for a second. We yeah. got in the pit for, for a little bit of Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. And it was, you know, it was hot and sweaty. And I just, I kind of had, like, I got a little emotional, honestly, because I was just like looking around. And everyone's having like such a good time and like just vibing and smushing into one another. And I was like, they recorded these songs like so long ago. And like looking at them, we're like, we're still, we're all still here. And like, we're all enjoying this. And like, that's got to be fucking cool for them to I'm, look out in the audience and see people still like smashing 
into each other to the impression that I get. I'm sorry, Scott I mean, you're like a child, right? <laughs> Those records came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a, I was pretty much a baby. Yeah. I'm sorry. Ska music is fun. It it's is fun just, shit. it's really fucking fun. And especially to see it live, you know, that's one that we thought like, Oh, we'll, we'll head over there and like maybe stick around for a while and hopefully they'll play the in person that we, that we get. But no, we were like lined, like they started playing and we're like, Oh no, we're going to watch this whole thing. It's they're killing it. They're I was so skanking. much energy. Yeah. I was skanking in the pit. I w- and it felt like I was controlled by a force beyond my own body. I was like, who who am I? What am I doing right now? What are they doing? The pick it up, pick it up. Yeah. <laughs> Live horns sound so good. So good. You love to hear a fucking trombone blasted at your splitting decibels. You can't you can't recreate, you know what I mean? You can't fake that. You can't fake a you, you can't fake a live horn. There's something about the the explosiveness of a live horn. Have you guys gone to see Chicago? <laughs> I have seen Chicago. Chris has seen Chicago. I've seen Chicago live. I saw Chicago, your face with horns. I saw Chicago play with uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire uh, when I was in high school at the. Damn, uh, that, that is a horny Bend. show. Yeah, it was great. Um, and they all got on stage, both Chicago and Earth, Wind, and Fire, for the last song, twenty-five or six to four, and played it for like eight, nine minutes, uh, and it ripped. It was so good. It's probably one of the best live things I've ever seen. <laughs> I also want to shout out on Saturday, Le Savvy Fave. Oh, wow. That was amazing. Uh, um, yeah. The guy from Le Savvy Fave is an amazing front man. A true, uh, like, late 90s, early aughts wild man. We don't really make those guys anymore. That was yes, kind of, exactly. a, that was definitely, like, that era was definitely, like, peak wild guy. I think probably riffing off of the guy from Jesus Lizard at first. Mm-hmm. That, yes. that, that guy would be like a little bit ahead of the curve on it. Harrington it was like it was almost as if I was watching like an improv or acting challenge of like do something (laughs) different every 10 seconds like within the first song I'm pretty sure he had like ripped off his shirt he was covered in body paint and like fake tattoos his beard was dyed his beard was dyed he was covered in glitter he was like strangling himself with a mic cord he immediately jumped out into the audience at one point he rode one of the audience members like like the audience member was like a pony uh, he he was cr- he crowd surfed on plywood as if he was um, Fred Durst at Woodstock '99. Like he was just do- he just kept doing things. <laughs> yes, constant, so... yeah, just constant activity, constant engagement. Like um, no, not never resting on on his laurels. Uh, and it and was incredibly. The Fan songs are so fucking good. The Sweat Descends is one of my favorite songs from that era. And I always like Roam like- Upside Down uh they have a, i mean they have a bunch of songs well backwards i have it wrong yeah <laughs> that that uh rip and sound even better live i mean it's kind of so impressive that he's still going that hard he's got to yeah. be probably in his mid-40s somewhere yeah yeah he was absolutely throwing down uh yeah, yeah they they were re- they were really good 
And was the, how was the audience response to that? People were just like picking up what he's putting down? Totally. Yeah, people were yeah. really into it. I mean, people were like up up close. We never got super close uh, to uh, any of the bands until the the few that we chose, like Mighty Mighty Boss Tones and then and then Devo. I got we I made sure that's the next day. I got made sure to get real close to. Um, but yeah, the, for every one of these shows, the people who were right up front were like going wild. You know, there was a, a yeah. big pit at almost every one of these shows. Yeah. So we're on a Sunday now. Yeah, Sunday. Yeah, yeah d- that was that was Devo Day. That was like at this point, my body hurt really badly, and I was just like super tired. And it's I the fourth day of a festival. Yeah, and I'm not. You know, I'm I'm turning 32 next month. Chris is in his 30s as well. I don't know if you, Chris, if you ever get to. Well, you know, Tim Harrington's in his mid forties, and look at him. Yeah, look, that, if yeah. they can do it, I can do it. If yeah, they've got the spirit, and with yeah, with a little alcohol, a little weed, and a lot of water, like anything is possible. I, I will say that I just because I think this is a funny festival thing. A real uh, necessary discovery for us was that uh, only, <laughs> yes. only only like beer and seltzers sold at the. Um, on the grounds but there was one booth at a very critical location that was the jim beam stand and they had built a little white picket fence around like the jim beam area to make like a little uh like i don't know whiskey garden and i think because they put the white picket fence up around it people thought that it was like an exclusive or vip zone and just going up to it sometime on Sunday and and like sheepishly asking the Jim the, the Jim Beameries, uh, <laughs> hey, can we like just come in here? And they were like, Yeah, not only can you come in, here have some free shots of whiskey. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, that that was real critical to get like a, a you know a, a nice slap to the back of the head in a in the form of a whiskey shot in the middle of the day uh, as as energy was lagging. Wow, that's a good pro tip for people going to Riot Fest 2022. Yeah, yeah do, do not be afraid of the Jim Beam picket fence zone. Yeah, exactly. Just because there's a fence around it doesn't mean you can't go in. <laughs> yeah, they yeah. should rethink that picket fence. But it was good. It was kind of good because it was like a little bit of a you know self-selected like a little bit of little bit of space, maybe some shade, maybe a place to sit that isn't just like the ground. So that yeah. that was yeah. that was good. Wait, so so that's kind of like a brand activation. Were there other brand activations going on at this place? Uh, we didn't get activated by too many brands here. We mostly just got activated by Jim Beam. But, and the, very importantly, the stages were not sponsored the stages were named things like the riot stage the rebel stage the radical stage maybe which, like the renegade stage renegade stage which you know it's a crucial <laughs> really committing to the bit yeah because yeah. festivals you know not all festivals can afford to to not get sponsored within yeah. an inch well, of their life which is when we'll talk about go ball yeah, uh, yeah. ball is heavily heavily spawned but riot fest ma- maintains a little bit of uh integrity and it's you gen know, x have- authenticity yeah, 100%. And I mean, the Riot Fest, like, credo is, like, Riot Fest sucks. Like, they've got that. That's, like, the personal brand is, like, you know, we we know you're going to complain about this. You're going to complain about the lineup. You're going to complain about the price. You're going to complain about the Wow, location. this really is, like, the most Gen X festival. It, it really yeah, yeah. is. <laughs> I, guess I, I, I have, like, all these old Rolling Stones, and it's really interesting to see, like, in the early to mid-90s, like, reading articles about you know people like basically like i'm people like tickets are too much everything's bad going to show sucks like there's so <laughs> yeah. much negativity about it and at some point everyone just caved yeah <laughs> people stopped complaining about these things 
Well, um, the people who go to them stop complaining. The people who don't go to them do the complaining for them, you know? Uh, and I feel well, it's like it's not even as loud was... as it used to be because it really was like such a whole thing in the in yeah. the 90s. Well, I feel like last time I was on to talk, we talked a little bit about festivals. I was, uh, you know, scratching one of my predominant itches, which is how um, po- there there is this thing in pop culture, uh, this this severe disdain for the idea of going to a music festival that is uh, prevalent throughout a certain strata of pop culture that people are like, oh man, look at look at these people who spend money to go to a like nice facility and listen to a wide variety of music outside. Oh, what a disgusting display of consumerism. They, and they think it's like an, it's inauthentic to, to go to a music festival because you're not pledging allegiance to like one band or maybe even one genre. Yeah. You're, go, you're doing the charcuterie board. Uh, when I would argue that we're we're that that's what makes us smart. And I okay, think so, that, so I, you, you know, just kind of set up a thing that I, I meant to get to, and this yeah. is kind of what we were talking about. The, the, what you're referencing, uh, the last one we were on, was just people be like, look, how does this work in the post-COVID time? Mm-hmm. So, like, I want you to tell me a little bit about just like the COVID vibes there, but I think especially because like earlier in the summer when they did Lollapalooza, it was this huge thing in Chicago where everyone was like, there's a lot of people who are politically really against this thing going on. And like Lollapalooza is significantly bigger. So that's one thing, but you would just see lots of stuff on social media, people just looking at crowds at Lollapalooza and like, Oh my God, these people, they're going to destroy, you know, like we're going to have another, another wave because of this. And it actually didn't really happen, but um, yeah, so no, I, I have a theory yeah. of this, actually, of the Lollapalooza backlash specifically, is that there was that one photo, which was like an unbroken crowd, and the way the way it was shot, and the like the sort of even aspect ratio of it, and the angle, it made it seem like it went on forever, like it, it there was no interruption, and it was a kind of a rare crowd shot to get at a festival, because normally festivals you have like media stations set up like there's dividers there's security kind of like rails and stuff and so the idea of just this almost like woodstock like like unbroken sea of people i think that one photo went so viral and it made people freak out because they're not used to seeing that in this post vaccine world and i'm convinced i'm convinced that that went a long way toward creating that negative uh Im- impression of Lollapalooza plus like I can't even remember what the lineup was but then you put it, that it was in a, there it was a very stuff. like uh very young very you know it was, it was, it was stuff that people if you were old you would feel like really left out of it yeah. but I think the other part of that I think you're right that photo was like the perfect bait it was kind of like yeah. earlier in the pandemic where people would be like look at all these people like and like they would get this like very you know these people being mad at people being outside at all like that yeah. energy. Yeah. Yeah. But I think the other thing was like, this was still pretty early before a lot of things really started happening. It was like before yeah. people got used to like, Oh yeah, there's shows again. And I mean, th- I mean, there have been some festivals in the UK and in Europe, mm-hmm. but this was like the, in the United States, I think it was Lollapalooza was really like the, the starting gun for like everything yes. kind of getting back into the swing. So even I remember uh, when the Pitchfork Festival happened, which is somewhere between these two events, you're, mm-hmm. you're like Lollapalooza and the Riot Fest. Like I remember seeing people that I know talk about like, well, no one got mad about Pitchfork Fest. Yeah. And it was kind of an implication that like, oh, 
I don't know the implication. It was it was it was, it was a snotty implication in some yes. ways. Yes. But but the, I mean, part of it was like Pitchfork is a drastically smaller festival than the Lollapalooza. Lollapalooza is like really one of the biggest festivals right. in the United States. It's like comparable in size to like I think Bonnaroo is I think physically the biggest, but it's like it's like it's kind of in the same league as Bonnaroo and Coachella. Yes. Yeah. And I, I've also heard, or we, we were informed as we asked some of our Chicago friends about it, that uh, Lollapalooza has a more contentious relationship with the city and its uh, local population than uh, Riot Fest does, which Riot Fest does stuff like if you live in the neighborhood of Riot Fest, you can just email them and ask for free tickets and they'll give you a free pass for oh damn that's sick that, that's, that's a great way to get the neighborhood off your back yeah, yeah. so I, I i think that that is part partially it and i kind of imagine that maybe the opposition to Lollapalooza or the the snarking sniding about it uh started within like chicago you know social especially media like circles Lori life like, uh, is is persona no grata right now like there's yeah yeah that, that yeah and, I, and, I think there's a whole confluence of local politics plus you know mm-hmm. But anyway, like what? So what was the this being at a large festival? Like what? Even just like your personal experience, but also just like what you're observing of the what is the the energy and vibe around post COVID anxieties? People were very seemed very very happy to be back out. Like it, it Riot Fest really had an a joyous energy to it that I think came partially from. Uh, Yes, the age range where people were probably had more festival experience or had been going to going to festivals longer yeah. and were like very excited to get back into the festival groove. We talked to people at the at the hotel bar afterwards who are like big fest heads, travel all over the country, and were like super excited to be back. I think all the bands were happy to play. Um, you know, it was vaccine required to get into the fe- festival, which or a negative COVID test or a negative COVID test, but I think. It, you know, the vast, vast majority, they had a very good setup to just scan uh, vaccine proofs to get in. Um, there was a, I would say, a, a small but visible amount of masks. Like some people mm-hmm. were wearing masks outside. We didn't. I think we were basically just kind of like, <laughs> I mean, we're here. It's yeah. a calculated risk. Like that's, that's the other thing is that I do feel like it was for everyone who went more or less an informed decision of like, being vaccinated, wanting to get back into society, and knowing that there was a chance that things could be transmitted, but uh, that that is the that is the risk one is taking at this point in this whole this whole pandemic that we're yeah, in. Yeah, right. Not and to I get- think it's also something to keep in mind is like your risk at, in this situation, especially it being outdoor outdoors, mm-hmm. uh, is about the same as most any other place you could be you could just be walking down the street to you know pick up a a grocery item and be under largely the same i mean i mean that's one of the things like you can't in most cases you can't really know how you got infected in these things yeah and and i also like it's not like you get the result back it's like well you shouldn't have talked to jen yeah uh yeah and also like Again, we're like at this point, this was, a, you know, early September. We're like still testing out these waters and uh, not to get too political here. But I, I do personally firmly believe that the deal is like, you know, look, the vaccines work. We're outside. If you are at a vaccine mandated thing and you yourself are fully vaccinated, then you can behave normally. That is the trade off yeah. that that I, you know, I think that we should be advertising to the world of being like, get vaccinated, go to places that require vaccinations. You are fine. 
you like that is the the end and that is like the treat that you get is the riot is to go to the riot fest we all <laughs> you get to do things yeah, yeah exactly but yeah so so the vibes were good it, like the people were good. behaving themselves and being respectful is the point yeah yes. absolutely uh yeah and again it was joyous it was celebratory uh yeah and it, the the only thing that i you know wanted, wanted to drill home about that whole spiel is uh festivals are good and that they are a great way for people to come together and see a lot of stuff and bring different fandoms together to absorb music that you might not see otherwise it's, it's yep. a, yeah if you are a I, music I think, fan, it's a great way to see music i think once we move into the governor's bowl i think <laughs> that's really more where you get the thing of how dare these people go to these festivals and have a good time yeah. these young people right right yeah so we should we talk about the the governor's ball? Well, uh, oh, we, we haven't we haven't gone to Devo. I yet. do. Oh, we haven't we gone to, to talk Devo. About Devo. Fuck. We got to talk. Chris loves Devo. Chris does. Love Devo. Well, I honestly, I've seen Devo a bunch of times. It was great to see them. I got exactly what I wanted from them. They played excellently. Uh, they have so much. Like they they played a great set. They played all the hits. Um, they they played well. It's delightful to see those boys. Um, I would rather hear Molly talk about it because I, I think that I effectively got uh, a Molly, uh, you know, D- Devo pilled, uh, Jocko pilled in, the, in this seeing <laughs> of pill. them. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> my main takeaway from this. Whip pill. Yeah. Uh, from this seeing of Devo was like, they rocked. I liked rocking out to them. And then my, my head was just filled the entire time with thinking, they were they are so right they were right about everything that they are like maybe the most artistically um verified prescient um um affirmed band possibly of rock music history it's like their entire project was the the drawing a satirical roadmap uh that and everything that they have ever said is, is or thought about or talked about or joked about is like 100% true and uh Cassandra's of rock exactly mm. and and my main takeaway from it uh something that I'm going to work on in the new year is that I, I need to interview Gerard Casale or uh Gerald Casale and uh just talk about like how does it feel to be so right <laughs> I imagine that would feel uh, feel good to get as a question. Yeah, <laughs> how does it feel to be so right, dude? They they fucking rocked. They they ripped. They they were they had total control of the audience. Again, like I think maybe uh, something I wanted to drill into is like I was in the pit for a lot of that show, which was extremely fun. And there's something again, like I'm just thinking about the 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 feeling of kind of a self selecting safeness about like a daytime mosh pit for 
Devo. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because like I've been in situations over the many years that I've seen live music now of like sometimes you're in a pit, you're in, you're close to the front, and it's not a safe situation. People are doing whatever the fuck they want to do, and that is not uh, vibing with your sense of what is safe physically. But this was like the most chill, fun, goofy, silly mosh pit I've been in my entire life because it was for Devo. I'm like these people are that how they've been doing this for decades, and I'm looking around and everyone is maybe between the ages of like 20 and 40 just like bouncing around and I just it's what like the older I get the more like grateful I am for these kind of situations I guess that it, it it's the perfect combination of feeling like a little crazy a little you know a little party rock but then also like you look around you're like I trust all these people basically like everyone is more or less in their right mind and is is down to uh pr protect each other that, that was the main takeaway I got besides Devo being awesome get get in the pit and try to love something that's what it felt someone. like everybody yeah. everybody was so into it um yeah I mean the the songs are good oh, god I Devo, they're they're the best. They were possibly the best American <laughs> rock band. Who else played on Sunday? Uh, one person I want to shout out, or one band I want to shout out, is Milk Belly, who are oh, yeah. apparently oh those oh they rule yeah long time Chicago people who I would not have sought out except I made a few posts on Twitter uh, just because I if anybody was around who like knew me I wanted to see if the people wanted to say hey. One of the guys from Milk Belly DM me and was like, "We're playing. Uh, you should come see us." And I was like, "All right, I'll do it." And then I saw them and they rocked. Uh, and they played a cover <laughs> of Gigantic, uh, yeah. at which they especially like put out as like, "Hey, I know you're not going to see Pixies today, and we all wanted to, so here's some Pixies for you guys," which I thought was they, very cool. And they just nice. recently uh, released a cover of "Where's Your Head At." No oh, really? Shit, really? Oh, I have to look yeah, that up. it's on their oh, band. Man, okay. It it, it it whips. That's awesome. Milk Belly. I was as a band. I was supposed to see on March fifteenth, twenty twenty. Nice. Did not happen. They canceled it outright. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. No. They they were they were super good. The other. I think the other uh, highlight of Sunday was, of course, we saw rock beef go down before our eyes in the form of Machine Gun Kelly calling out Slipknot as a bunch of old dudes wearing masks. Wait, uh, why? Wait, oh, you don't... Did they, did they insult Megan Fox or something? Well, so there, apparently there's some... Like, I'll try to yada, yada, yada the beef, but I guess uh, Machine Gun Kelly, I'll, I'll refer to him as MGK from this point on. MGK asked, uh, who? what's the name of the lead singer of Slipknot? Corey. Corey? Yeah, Corey something. Corey whatever, asked him to, to guest on his last album and oh, Corey yes, kind of so like funny. uh like I think respectfully dipped out and then uh I think it sounded it sounded like MGK might have been frustrated by the sound bleed that was happening between the two stages because they were on at the same time and he basically said like thanks thanks y'all for coming to see me instead of some like lame guys in their 50s wearing masks referring to Slipknot uh and then it it, it spooled out on Twitter that uh Corey Taylor Yes, something like that. Uh, was like, 
MGK is just bitter, like that, uh, you know, like whatever, like he, he's being a little bitch. And MGK is like, you're you're just saying that because uh, I kicked you off the song that you were supposed to be on. And Corey's like, uh, you didn't kick me off. I, I have receipts. Like it, it was just like one of those things that I, I did not expect to see as a rock beef. But also there are so well, few rock beefs hold right on. now. Him being like, I kicked you off the song. You you're the one who was like, I really really want to get the guy from Slipknot on my song. And he was super... So that's a real spin. Yeah. That's like, even, even if you did kick him off, it's still like you wanted you him wanted to be him there. there. You respect his talent enough to want him on your own music. And the guy, and the, and Corey from Slipknot like leaked, you know, shared the receipts, which sounds like MGK was like, bro, yeah, like, I fucking love this verse, like, but could you like change it a little bit? And I think whatever notes he gave, the guy was like, no, I don't think I want to be involved in this anymore but you know we saw it go down live but we we saw machine kelly for a couple songs he was fine i don't know whatever but then we went to i see was uh, well i just about M mgk i yeah. i was going into it really ready to open my heart to mgk uh just because i i feel like our artists like that are very easily dismissed as like jokes and clowns and i knew that he was trying to make a pivot from his like beginning thing of like i don't know being like a white rapper or something to be like no i'm gonna be a rock guy and i'm going to make rock songs and i'm going to do like good big arena rock music with like a kind of in pop punk and emo inspired thing and i was ready to be like all right i i'm happy for somebody popular right now to be like i'm going to do rock and roll music um and so I, I was going with maximum generosity because, you know, I, I, I think there's always a good place for, for pop, you know, uh, aimed rock music. Um, and if I, I, I really wish I could give him more credit, but it was fine. Uh, B minus, I would say, to, to MGK. I mean, all of I've heard of this, it just sounds like a guy doing like Blink-182 fan fiction. Yeah, it's pretty, to me, it's pretty generic pop punk music. It clearly means a lot to some people <laughs> or or they just think he's he's a cutie. Like one or, one or the other doesn't really matter. But like- Molly, one, do you think he's a cutie? Um, You know, after watching his uh, GQ couples quiz featuring him and, and very famous girlfriend, Megan Fox, I do think he's cute. It's just not it's it's not quite for me. He does have kind of a weird like kind of cherubic baby face, but on this extremely long tattooed body. <laughs> like <it's, laughs> I understand why it works. It's just it's not my personal uh, cup of cup of PG tips. They are uh, they are very clearly actually in love, which I appreciate. They are actually extremely horny for each other. Yeah. Which what's the difference these days? Yes, it's twenty twenty one. But Slipknot <laughs> rearranged my like like cells like they were the la that was loud as fuck have you i matthew have you ever seen slipknot i have not i've not seen Slipknot. that was some loud ass music and it was extremely intense and like just it, it i felt it more than i heard it um and it's kind of hard to compare the two because slipknot clearly has been in the biz forever they know they know what works they know what doesn't and they just they 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 ripped it so uh, who who won that beef? I guess everyone on Twitter.com. Well, people seem to have, and I, I think that Slipknot have proven themselves to be just like good, a good band and good people mostly. And like they, they, you know, rep their, their home 
state of Iowa a lot and, and they've, you know, been good to their fans. They seem to have a lot of goodwill behind them. Um, you know, which even if their music is not what one might necessarily be into, you can appreciate them being the height of a certain kind of music. And it, it was a lot of fun to see them. The guy banging away at the, the turned over uh, uh, 55 gallon drums, which they have now like welded into like a, like discrete piece of gear that is on a platform, like these three metal drums, like welded into an apparatus that is now itself its own instrument. It's, it, it's, it's cool to watch. And they're all wearing masks and they're multi-levels. It's like, they, they've got a show. It's great. Okay. I think we should move over to the governor's ball. Really change the vibes. Yeah. Let's, um, let's switch those vibes. So, so tell me about, let's start with the audience of this festival which i so the last festival i ever went to was a governor's ball but it was really kind of like before it made this transition into being this festival that is sort of famous for being mostly teenagers yes in the audience and that's completely true that is not that is no bullshit uh it was i i previously praised the the vibe of the pit at Devo for having this sort of uh, informed consent slash enthusiastic, uh, you know, participation to it. And I would say that that Gumball was more or less the opposite vibe. It just reminded me of, it made me feel very old in that I was aware of a time in my life when I was younger where physical safety and kind of like consideration for other people was just at the bottom of my list i don't think i was ever as fucking wild as these kids but i guess that's that's the common uh feeling of getting older isn't it but oh my god these these children were so drunk and so so um uh you know crowded and in these chains of these never-ending chains of 19 year olds just like weaving through the crowd it was uh i i felt i was feeling my age at governor's ball i will say that uh, I think that I felt my age a little less than Molly did. I had a, gr- a great time. It was nice to see young people having a good time. No, I, I had I had lots of fun, but I was just I think I was just more aware of the element of like, oh, you there's just a little bit less of the idea of like, let's all create a good vibe together in the crowd. You know, for example, waiting for young thug to show up and just having a. Uh, uh, his DJ show up instead because Young Thug was not uh, prepared or ready to come on and him playing Mo Bamba and all of a sudden like we were not near nearly near the front of the stage and a bunch of like 19 year old white guys just like started a mosh pit immediately in front of us and I was like whoa holy shit like this is not the crowd this is not the crowd dynamics I was used to for something like this. So, so Young Thug just didn't show up, right? Yes. I think he did two songs or maybe two halves of two songs at the at the very, very, very end. But uh, he basically did not show up for his own set. Which is disappointing because um, I like, in all the festivals that we've gone to, uh, the, the one thing that I have not really seen is like a masterful set by a currently hot hip hop artist. And I keep wanting to be like all right i'm gonna like even if young thug is not really my thing you know i i was try. i went out of my way to be like all right i really want to see like a a currently really hip hip hip-hop artist like just dominate a set so i'm gonna go and try to see 
you know, the person that the 21 Savage played, I, we were seeing something that we were seeing Carly Rage Jepsen during them. So I was like, we have a, a, a space here. I'm going to go see young thug, thug. All I want him to do is just fucking rock this crowd. And he doesn't show up. And like, I don't know. It, it's like, I, 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 for whatever reason, uh, I, I keep on trying to give hip hop guys a, um, a, a chance in these festival settings and they keep on uh, disappointing. Yeah, Chris, as it stands, who is the best rapper you've seen live? I mean, probably we we saw Cardi play at Coachella. Uh, Cardi while, B, not Playboy Cardi. Yes, Cardi B. Uh, <laughs> uh, a few years ago, um, while she was wildly pregnant, uh, and she only played like thirty minutes, and the the, the actual like staging and the the performer like the flow of the set was pretty messy, but she was pretty fabulous to see live. Yeah, I imagine she's just utterly commanding on stage. Yeah, absolutely. She's her, got a lot of charisma. Her backdrop appeared to be like, um, she had like a, all I can say is a jungle gym of stripper poles. Uh, <laughs> and then about 20 strippers, not actually stripping, but just like dancing sexily with, it didn't seem to be any choreography, but it seemed like they were all just like circled up before the set began. And they were commanded like, dance like you need to make money off this set and so they were all doing their own thing but like 20 of them over this stripper pole jungle gym the entire time while cardi was doing her thing uh again it was chaotic but it was very fun to watch uh i feel like that's pretty much exactly what you would want from a show by we, we also saw future who was fine he did the thing which i understand is fairly standard for uh uh hip hop sets of of basically singing about or like doing about 30 minutes or 30 seconds, like basically one verse of a song and then a hook and then it just being mixed into the next one. So it it doesn't really give you a chance to like lean in and be like, or like lock in and be like, here's a groove. I would say the best thing about future was he had a, uh, a, an amazing video package that he was playing against, which I could only also call a stripper glitch. (laughs) Like, uh, like, hyper saturated quick cut glitched out edits of uh you know sexy women uh in in stripping uh just like she sounds so flustered right i know (laughs) i'm trying to describe the effect of it well how would you describe it molly yeah it it was like a yeah like a uh like a fan cam of like just like bouncing butts and boobs. Yeah, exactly. uh, With a a sort of neon uh aspect to it. It was great. Yeah. I'm trying to think of who what the best rap shows I've seen have been. Outcast was really good. Oh, I would love to, I would obviously love to see Outcast. I, I saw Kanye when he was doing Yeezus and that was really good. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I saw Kanye at like when um Gold Digger was the biggest song in the world and that was a pretty amazing performance. Yeah, that must have been pretty good. Yeah. Um to, there's something else that, that kind of Oh yeah. Oh, I mean I think the last time I was at Governor's Ball, I saw maybe half a chance the rapper show and chance is very, very good on stage. Mm. Right. Yeah. I mean, there, it, it happens, but yeah, I, I think that that has been my experience with rap shows for years is that even, uh, even people that are like the best ever, like, like a good example being Wu Tang guys. Sure. You're just excited to see them and there's a certain energy, but it's like a very sloppy performance. And yeah, I, I think it's, you know, honestly, I think a lot of it is because, 
there isn't as much of a uh, live circuit for rap to begin with. Yeah. So there's not really as much of an emphasis put on developing a really hot stage show. Um, Hip hop at its highest echelon seems to be, it's, it's like mostly a studio game, you know? Yeah, but, but the, the thing that I'm talking loud, about that really is the result of cops and yeah, lots of places yeah, yeah, bullshit. Yeah. So I would honestly be curious what what going to Rolling Loud would be like in terms of what people bring to those sets because I I've never seen footage of it either, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean I've seen the Roots live and the Roots are very good, but obviously the Roots are a live band. Yeah, they're right. So, they're that, so you have that energy, and I think that's part of it. Is like I think a lot of things are it's it, like, when you don't have live drums, it is always going to be some detriment. Mm-hmm. Um, God, like, you can drums. you can overcome not having live drums and still be amazing, but it's a handicap. Yeah, yeah. Um, so okay, what else is what else is at the uh, the Gub Ball? A high a highlight for me was. Carla Rae Jepsen just she she killed it she was amazing uh she she's a great she's like a great live performer she it's funny that she makes so much dance music but that woman cannot dance um <laughs> but she kind of makes up for it in this sort of like aw shucks way where she's kind of like shimmy bopping around yeah just doing a sort of like white lady shimmy uh but she was amazing and also re- one of the most amazing crowd reactions of the day slash night was when she did both call me maybe call me maybe and i really like you and um cut to the, the feeling, feeling. So like, like the, the three biggest hits like basically. she just it was like slayed boots the house down like i saw like bros like losing it to like everyone was bouncing up it was honestly one of the most kind of unanimous yeah. crowd experiences i've actually ever seen well i mean call me maybe is just like a force of nature yeah but i think the other ones have a strong oh i love that song love that kind song. of energy yeah like yeah. it was it was definitely everyone was there kind of like no knowing what what it was and yet like there was a surprise and delight factor to like those three songs that was just it was just great Good wholesome energy. Good wholesome energy. 100%. Good wholesome energy. Uh, duck sauce was a lot of fun. They were clearly doing just like <laughs> pressing play on a DJ set, but their set is very good. Uh, and they were extremely goofy and charming on stage. Uh, and they have like a kind of weird specific flavor of, you know, dance oriented DJ music. Uh, they had a giant inflatable duck behind them. Their visuals were pretty great. They at one point had a, um, a, a, a sequence in their visuals that was like, do you guys remember the the Taiwanese CGI news recap videos? I do, of, I don't. I'm from sorry. From a few years ago, where they would like have like quickly remake like a Chinese company that would quickly remake like uh, digitally animated recaps of American news. Oh yeah, no, I'm I'm not familiar. Matthew, you remember this? Not really. Oh man, well this is not gonna. 
uh, hit for any of you guys. But basically, a bunch of CGI. Well, characters. I'm leaving it in. Characters. Uh, it was a, a long se- sequence of uh, CGI characters, and it was a, a, the camera zooming in on them, and they were dancing. And then as the camera hit them, they would turn around, drop their pants, and the camera would go through their assholes and reveal the next CGI character doing the same thing. Uh, it, okay. In a very explicit way for like five minutes straight. It, it, it was very entertaining and gross. I'm. I'm kind of surprised that duck sauce is on this bill. Yeah. Well, the thing that I'm realizing is that, you know, we've, we've talked about GovBall as a, y- a young person's festival, and yet we saw Caroline Palachek, who's in her mid-30s and who I've been aware of. Oh, but she's of. hot now. She's like, hot that's, now. She's kinda, cause she's like kinda, she's kind of like second or third degree from like like uh, hyper pop stuff. Yeah. Now. But like she, she, she's glommed on to the right thing. Sure, but like she, she's of a certain age. Duck, duck sauce obviously had their biggest hit. Barbara of a certain fan. age basically means she's two years younger than Ayo. me. Yeah, <laughs> she's like two years older than me. Uh, duck, duck sauce had the hit in 2010, I believe. Carly Rae Jepsen obviously had a hit in 2012. Uh, we, we, we. I think our our own personal sampling of of Gubball was older artists. So may, maybe that maybe that helped in a. I, I think a lot of the stuff uh, on the other night, other days, were a little bit more, like oh, just random Spotify stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I know that the, the 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 day before you went was the Phoebe Bridgers. Yes. Uh, it, it was it was the no. funny thing where it's like for ASAP Rocky mysteriously was somehow headlining this thing with uh, Jay Balvin and Phoebe Bridgers and Megan the Stallion, all three of whom are significantly more popular than ASAP yeah. Rocky now. Right. Uh, subordinate on the bill. <laughs> but um, yeah, I imagine like that was, uh, and like, there's, and ugh, that was a much more interesting mix of things, if I recall. Yeah. Like, big thief is in there for some reason. Yeah. I think we um, went on the but, most yeah, I mean, like the, the, while you were at this, um, I mean, I was like, the next yeah that was this is like you went to it on a sunday right and i was walking yes. around the upper west side and i ran uh into this whole bunch of like five or six kids who are maximum 16 yeah. 15 probably 14 or 15 and they were all wearing like merch that they had got at the governor's ball the previous day mm-hmm. like this like like phoebe bridger's specific merch <laughs> for this stuff you know uh but yeah, it's like, yeah, okay, that, yeah, it's real. It really is just teens. It is, it, it is teens. And the, the other thing I wanted to know is that at Caroline Polachek, uh, Polachek, Polachek? I, don't I know think it's Polachek, but I, I don't know. I don't know what it is in the old country. Uh, apparently Lord was in the audience for her set. Uh, this was reported on several uh, hot hot gossip uh, Twitters. The Lord was with thee. The Lord was with thee. I can't say I felt her presence, um, but me, you know, maybe. Do you feel her solar power? I don't. Know. <laughs> I felt. I felt the solar power of the actual sun. But I. I honestly don't even know. First of all, I don't think I would have recognized her because I do have. I have really bad recognition vision in general, but. Uh, I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't know what I would have done if I had like seen and clocked Lord. Uh, probably just probably nothing. 
probably just do, do you think she had neck. like her hair up so like because her hair is probably one of the first things you, that would make you recognize her i bet she was somewhat incognito because th- that's the thing you know like coachella is famous for like uh famos kind of roam around freely like your 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 models and and uh and actors and such and because everyone is sort of dressed like they're famous and i do wonder if she maybe did a little bit of camouflage where she wore the big pants and the tiny shirt and like sunglasses and she looked just like everyone else like was put a hat on or something yeah pop popped a hat over those yeah because you know if you if you can't see her eyes or her hair she would just be like any girl (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) if you can't see her eyes or her hair she would be a regular girl uh before we move on to the the headliner of the night i do just as we're talking about teens and uh, seeing them here i do want to shout out one phenomenon that i clocked that molly also agreed with uh is the phenomenon of which i've seen at other festivals but was very pronounced here of packs of young girls uh like done up like completely in a like festivaled out like all of them in festival festival drag yeah festival drag Drag. tons of festival like outfits like like looking as cute as they possibly can be like the fanny packs like ready to come to the fest just uh standing around looking miserable uh in in festivals which i found very funny it was something that like you know basically between walking between any set you would be able to see one of these packs of like five to nine just an entire click yeah an entire click of girls where every single one of them looked like they were having a terrible time uh which i found uh kind of entertaining and i i would chalk up to i mean molly has her own theories about it but you you really have to learn how to do festivals over a period of time and if if you're going in kind of cold and not really knowing what to expect from the entire day or, or maybe having not properly coordinated uh, with your entire crew, I, I, I get it, but it is just very funny to see yeah. like an entire group of of young people at a festival. Like they're there, especially, especially when they're like somewhere between like fifteen and twenty two. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're there. They're looking good. That the music is playing. This is the prime of their lives. Yeah, exactly, and they all all are just like looking miserable. It's it, it's funny to me, uh, and so you know, I hope they they end up figuring out how to have a good time with these things. <laughs> I mean, this sounds like just like female uh socialization mm-hmm. uh yes. stuff like molly can you what is your insight into this yeah so i i had written about this basically when i i, I wrote a, a a write-up of my experience at govball for the music blog grandma Sophia's yeah. cookies um uh, but it's it just remind it really took me right back to my own experience as like an adolescent and teenage girl which is just like if you're in the group you will do anything to stay in the group. Of, of course, I'm, I might be reading way, way, way too into this, but I didn't start going to music festivals until I was in my mid twenties and had somewhat of a whole, like a, a hold on my own kind of physical, emotional, spiritual needs. Because going to a festival is a huge slog. It's a like it's it's a hard on your body. It's a it's a hardcore physical experience. Like you're in the hot sun. You're you gotta you're maybe drinking or consuming substances. Like there's a lot of things that you gotta kind of regulate. And on your feet. Yeah, you're on your feet. And yeah, so walking like, around. Chris is my you know kind of best festival buddy because we're you know literally in a relationship and part of, part of that is communicating about what either one or the other needs. I cannot imagine being in a big group where like you kind of have to do consensus 
And that's what I am reading into these sort of uh, huge groups of miserable teen girls is like, I just remember at the time, I never went to festivals when I was a teenager, but oh, you got, you really just got to get along. And that might mean, you know, being dehydrated or having to pee really bad or drinking too much and not being able to do anything about it. So like there was a kind of automatic sense of empathy for all these extremely done up, extremely sad looking people. And yeah, again, like, like Chris, I would say, I just hope you, you, you live long enough and you, you figure it out and you learn to have fun because yeah. going to see live music is a physical experience. And I mean, the, the gotta, thing that you you're care. describing uh, to me just sounds like a whole bunch of people who are all compromising. No one is not compromising. compromising. Maybe there's one girl who's the queen bee and everyone just bows to whatever she says. Yeah, uh, that happens. Yeah. But it's also just like everyone being passive aggressive. Everyone, you know, it's like, like this is, I think it's what happens when you have a whole group of people who have essentially the same personality type. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you need like a, a more uh, a range of personalities range for of a group to really work. You need you need someone who's the super decisive one of like this is exactly what I'm doing. You need some people who are maybe more passive to go along. You need a freak who's like I will be at whatever the dance music is all day. Like you can find me at this place or not. Like a, the the wook as they are called in like the EDM zone of just someone who's going to get like extremely zonked and and vibe all day. So so. It- do you feel like when you see a group like this, like they're not breaking into subgroups? They're they are staying together as a group of eight girls the whole time. Because the fe- not- yeah, the the fear of of uh, getting separated from the pack is stronger than the the desire to like take care of any one of your uh, individual. That, that, that's funny though, because it's like we're in a cell phone era; they can just text each other. Service you know, is you- not great at uh, yeah, but still, like, I'm thinking of like like my experiences in the 20th century. Yeah, where this. <laughs> <laughs> simply not a thing so if you were to split apart mm-hmm. there's a good chance you might not see each other sure. for the rest of the day that is go, go ahead chris i think i know what you're gonna say the the one of the key things to doing festivals right if especially if you're going with a bigger group is you need a rally point yes you need a pole like a light post with a label on it like a number or something you know maybe maybe it's the the part the the lamp post that says b3 on it and you're like all right we're both we're all gonna go out on our journey uh, you guys want to see this thing. You guys, we want to see this thing. We need to get some food, and then we're all going to meet at B three at seven o'clock, and then we're all going to go to blank. You know, uh, that that is one of the key things. You need rally points. You mm-hmm. need, and then you need the trust with other people that when you say we are going to be here, that they will be there. And, and that's, I think, one of the key strategies for navigating festivals with groups. Yeah. If, if anyone's listening to this and, you know, that, that's good advice. That's a good advice for any kind of group outing. Yes. Yeah. And then the secondary advice that I would give is that th- this is just my little, little harm reduction <laughs> moment where I'm like, uh, if you're going to try a new substance for the first time, don't do it at a festival. I don't uh, like I know that it's called set and setting. It's called set and setting, bitch. Like uh, even if that new substance is alcohol, because if the pl- if plan A fails, if you can't find your friends at the the designated light pole or brand activation, you got to have your wits about you enough to be able to get your own ass home by yourself. And you can't do that if you tried ecstasy for the first time and it's not going well. That's just that's just your tip from Aunt Molly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> aptly named. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. So. Aunt MDMA <laughs> says try it at home first. 
So let's talk Post Malone. Post Malone oh. is the headliner. Post Malone's the the major reason why you went. Yes, that that absolutely. That that was you know. Am I going to go to a Post Malone alone show? Probably not. But in a festival setting where I can sample some other stuff, definitely. Uh, Chris, how did you feel about Post? I mean, Post Malone rocks. He he's got a billion. He's his career's like what four years old. He has a billion number one hits. Even if you're not a hardcore fan, like I'm not a hardcore Post Malone fan, and I recognize seventy percent of his set just from like I don't know existing in popular culture. Uh, since then, he's an amazing performer. Uh, he has a a like a, a a generationally unique natural charisma. I would say um, mm-hmm. he. Uh, is clearly very uh, he exudes a kind of like humbleness to him like that he is just happy to be there and so excited that people are like excited to watch him do his his songs Um, the staging was really great Um, he can I mean he's a full package he can't dance he can sing really well he can rap when he wants to rap he can (laughs) play guitar uh the one thing that I would say, my my the thing that he really needs to level up and and make sure that he can go the distance for a full career is that he did the whole set with just him on stage, which is impressive in its own right. Like he can command the entire audience yeah. with just him, like singing his songs over backing or doing his songs over backing tracks for whatever it was, like seventy minutes or or whatever. Uh, he needs, as we were saying earlier, he needs to add a live band. He needs to have a, at least a live drummer and live probably a, a live guitarist to like rip some solos off during it um, to to level up to the next level because you know he can right now just do his songs over backing tracks but to if he added a drummer a guitarist uh, like a few elements of a live band it would take the whole thing to the next level and mind blowing. I mean, I guess like for, if you're post Malone and you're probably being paid this untold amounts of money just to play this one show yeah let alone any others it's like and virtually all the money goes to you yeah right it's probably hard to be like oh, i should get some other guys yeah, right that's true <laughs> things are going great that's like true. he has like absolutely no signal to him that he should change anything 100 percent. yes I, I, he had some technical difficulties, which I wasn't quite aware of what was happening, but he was alluding to stuff happening with like his microphone, which to me, I'm just like, it just sounds like there's some room for improvement post. If you, if you took, if you left that stage and were like, damn, I really wish this hadn't broken. I'd have been like, yeah, maybe figure that out next time.
also hope and I think that his own dedication to his own craft and excellence would lead him to that uh, realization eventually that he should ha have uh, live instruments uh, with him just from knowing what sounds and looks good on stage. Uh, and the other th the thing that that influences me is that towards the beginning of the pandemic, he did this live stream of him covering Nirvana songs mm -hmm. where he was playing guitar and singing the parts with uh, with um, um, Travis Barker on drums and another guy on bass uh, playing live rock music over like a Twitch stream or something for charity. And he slayed. He slayed Nirvana songs. I mean, obviously, the songs are good, which gives you an advantage. Uh, but, you know, he he can do and obviously is interested in playing music live which and then he i think he's as much as he tries to portray a image of him as kind of like a sloppy g shucks uh you know gone off uh eight bud lights guy <laughs> uh <laughs> that he he has an understanding of what makes a good show and wants himself to be good to his own standards and to the standards of what is good live. So I, I think he'll get there. I really think he will. Yeah. I think he's he's still a very young man. I don't he's think, I think he's young. like 27 or something yeah. by now. Yeah. 26 or 27 still. I think he'll get there. So I think he's still, he's still kind of a baby. Man. Yeah. Let's hope. Yeah. It's, but yeah, the, but, even the so, fact that he played the that Nirvana thing, like he clearly knows that uh, a band is good. <laughs> so let's just. Yeah, I, I, it's possible that he's just kind of waiting for a pivot point for that where that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like he's still kind of like all the music that he has to date really fits the mold of what he's performing now. Sure. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it's possible that like his next record may really be more of a rock record. And honestly, good timing because everything is kind of moving that way mm -hmm. again. Yes. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, he's in a perfect position, honestly. Yeah. Um, so wait, so just of his of his songs, like what were the ones that like really popped off live for you? Oh God, that's a great question. Like particular songs. I mean, he did he did like a sort of uh wrought emotion uh segment where I'm I'm trying to remember the name of the song and I can't do it, but like he he really truly was like singing emotionally from his heart and it was like heartbreaking like he he clearly has something there i'm gonna have to like look up what that was but that was the like non-hype song that i was like wow post like you've you're you're doing it to me um did he do did he do rockstar he did rockstar that was very good that was near the end that was with 21 savage mm -hmm. oh i fall apart he did i fall apart and i was like this is he's it's pure emotion I, and i really enjoyed it uh, I think Paranoid Strung is that the one where he has uh, Ozzy Osbourne sing on it, or is am I just confusing it with the Black Sabbath song? Uh, I want to say "Take What You Want" is the, um, the Ozzy, Ozzy Osbourne, Osbourne feature. He had like a video of Ozzy Osbourne that that stuck with me. Um, I think I think like all, all of his bigger bigger hits, like uh, I think the Circles and Psycho set stood out stood out to me. Yeah, Circles is good. And That's then the he had a I song like from early in the summer called Molly Crew that I thought was really good, but I also just like like that song. Yeah, I mean he's the, all his songs all have fairly similar tones. I mean, there are certain ones that, where he's doing more rap stuff. There's certain songs where he's doing yeah more raw motion singer stuff, but uh, it, you know it 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 it's hard to say that one anything like stood out as much as it was all like very good. All right. 
So was there anything else that you'd want to like mention in that uh, that festival day? I mean, the brand activation. Oh, wait, let's talk about brand activation yeah. before we move away from this. They were they were branded the the fuck out. Uh, there was the Honda stage, the Bacardi stage, the Grubhub stage, which is my it's favorite. <laughs> it is so much more of a bummer to have to say like, oh, we're going to the Honda stage. Like, yeah. it, you know, I know it's not that much of a difference in, uh, you know, in the scheme of things, but it. It, it it does suck a little of the soul out to have to just like constantly be like, oh, we're going to Bacardi now. We're going to grow up stage now as opposed to like, I don't know if they had been like the Queens, Bronx, Brooklyn and Manhattan stage or something, you know? Huh. <laughs> yeah, but the, Wait, so- <laughs> there were I, I was noticing a lot of merch uh, like or like swag, I guess it would be rather than merch is something you would pay for swag, something you get for free. Uh, Aperol spritz appeared to have not not just Aperol but like Aperol spritz as a cocktail had like a a little zone and was giving away like straw hats and shit. There was also like uh, canned rosé that, that had a moment. There was just like all it was, but I mean Bud Light Seltzer had its own stage with sort of like a a, a lower key like it pr- could probably only fit like fifty people and was offering. I think there were several. Uh, musicians who played bigger sets elsewhere who did like low-key sets at the Bud Light Seltzer Sessions stage uh so yeah I don't know it was definitely it was super branded I really enjoyed there was like a Bud Light Seltzer wall near the Bud Light Seltzer Sessions stage that emanated a cooling mist that was kind of sick we hung out a lot in the Bud Light Session stage I would also like to uh shout out um the anti-art Instagram account uh who the their main uh curator we met up with at uh governor's ball and spent basically the entire day uh you know we were hanging out with we, we saw basically all the same shows and it was very good to uh, to meet a new friend at the governor's ball and uh you know in, enjoy all the the same stuff with them uh so uh, you know i've hyped them several times on several different platforms but uh at uh, the anti-art instagram account they're they're very you good. were recently on their podcast yeah, i was very uh, recently on their podcast yeah they're great they treated you like a hero. <laughs> I I was very <laughs> flattered. Um, any any other bra- brand experiences? Th- those were the main kind of takeaways that I got. It was it was heavily branded. There was a, a Grubhub um, zone with a huge like mo- most of the branded activations manifested not just in the swag but in photo opportunities, places where you could take selfies, etc. And there was a huge. I think the most uh, perverse of them was a huge gooey slice of pizza that was a sculpture that you could pose next to for Grubhub where I'm just like man I don't want to be I don't want to associate all these things with the the delivery of of food like this is I keep this away from my music I will say just talking about food uh at both these festivals the major choke point has been uh getting food the food oh right that's another thing because I I I would because I still get tons of PR emails for music and most of the emails I ever got for Governor's Ball was about like, here's the lineup of all of the vendors. Yeah, right. It's like, that's so weird to think about, but okay. Right. Uh, Who's no? No one is like going for like a culinary experience, or or much less hitting all of the vendors. Right. You're probably eating <laughs> lunch and dinner. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. If that. If yeah. that. Yes. And and get, uh, also just given the lines at all these things, it basically became clear, especially at Riot Fest. Uh, and also, if I was going multiple days here, like getting 
a substantial amount of food is like a 30 to 40 minute time dedication just based on lines. So you get like one thing a day uh, at them, <laughs> which I, I don't remember being quite as severe at other festivals we went to. I think that that might par- partially be uh, because of the ongoing um, difficulty in hiring people yeah. uh, that is going on right now. Um, so I, you know, that, that, that felt new and different to these two festivals that, that the food lines were, were longer than I remember that, that, so I, I don't know, plan accordingly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So before we move off this, I want to ask two qu- bigger questions. Yes. So the first one, since we're talking about the food, did you have any good food at either of these? Oh God. Um, like anything memorable that was just home like for yeah. uh go fall. There was some good, like we had pierogies at uh, Riot Fest, which is very like, that's very Chicago, um, you know, the Polish population. And then honestly, the best thing I ate of either of these festivals was the first night of Riot Fest when I got a foot long corn dog. Oh yeah, the foot long corn dog is good. (laughs) I don't think I've had corn dogs and I've had foot long hot dogs, but I think this is my first foot long corn dog and damn, that that, that hit just right. I think we got a big slop plate of noodles at Riot Fest. I mean, it, at, at a certain point, it's just fuel, you know? Yeah. Noodles is an interesting thing to have at a festival. Yes. It, it's it's definitely, like, you kind of got to, like, sit down. Like, that's why I like the corn dog, because it's, like, very portable. You can kind of, like, take it take it anywhere, take it on the go. Um, yeah, no, I, don't, I think increasingly, like, I think you're right, just, like, the pointing out, especially, like, in a PR moment of the, the gourmet aspect of festivals, which I've just never quite understood. I understand, I understand that it's kind of commensurate with this general idea of, like, foodies and, like, the Instagram grilled cheese pull moment and whatever. But, yeah, festivals, I'm like, it's, it's, it's really hard to get good food because everyone is, it's like catering. You're basically eating, like, catered food. Yeah, it's like, or it's just food truck stuff. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, exactly. So Look, like, you, you're never gonna get a sublime experience. Would you might, you know, sub, you're gonna get sublime with Rome at best. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's okay, nice so... when it's good, but you but you're mostly just getting it getting calories it to, like, put stuff in you. Calories in, going. calories out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the other question I have for you is: Tell me about your fits. Ooh, uh, Chris, you want to talk about your fits? Uh, well, speaking of fits, I uh, I think to govern the one day at Governor's Ball and at least one day at um. Uh, Riot Fest. I wore the uh, the throwing fits, in, uh, a men's fashion podcast uh, brand, purple shorts, which were are, are kind of a uh, very comfortable, uh, bright purple athletic short, uh, which I found very uh, very good. And I think me, I think for both uh, Governor's Ball and um, one day at Riot Fest, I repeated um, a kind of black with acid splash tie dye shirt. Uh, but the Sunday at Rye Fest, I got to uh, bring out one of my favorite things to wear, which is my uh, Dickies uh, short sleeve jumpsuit, which is a, a great festival wear. Very comfortable uh, mm. and I think fairly uh, uh, striking in that it has a kind of uniform quality to it. Um, my, my festival fits, I'm always, you know, as a, as a woman, I'm trying to balance, you know, looking fly with also being super comfortable because again, it's a full day on your feet. You're dealing with porta potties. You're dealing with public transportation. You were probably going to sit on the ground at some point. And the solution that I found for festivals has been great for me this year is tennis wear, specifically the wearing of spandex skirts and dresses with built-in shorts. I, if there are any women listening to this right 
right now who have a sporty attitude and a desire to express themselves with colors, I would highly recommend getting like a tennis, a, a spandex tennis skirt or tennis dress because it has honestly changed my life. It, it, it's stylish. It's cute. It's not, you're not just like slovenly wearing, you know, like a soccer, <laughs> like a soccer uniform as I might have maybe uh, worn a sort of vibe of at festivals past. It's, it's adorable, but it's got the functionality. It's, it's wicking. It's breathable. You can wear it in the sun. Um, that, that was kind of my vibe for both Riot Fest <coughs> and Go Fall this year. You heard yeah. it here first, maybe. Yeah, I feel it, it suits you, too, because you have kind of a, a sporty spice aesthetic energy. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, try, I'm trying to like I want to look like feminine and cute, but I am I am in the mosh pit go, going a little crazy. And you can't just wear like a dress to that. Also, comfortable shoes are, uh, as we said many times now, because we are in our 30s. Uh, comfortable shoes at festivals are key. And I do think a reason a lot of the, the younger girls are maybe a little bit miserable is because they're wearing those Doc Martens that they just got and haven't broken in yet. And uh, it's completely ruining their lives. So you just got to it's no one's looking at your shoes anyway. Just like wear, wear a nice, comfortable pair of sneakers. OK, so that wraps the festival thing. Before we head out, before we wrap this up, I want to touch on a couple things. The last couple times you've been on here. Molly, have you heard of any good musician, fast food collaborations well, in the recent past i mean you you got to talk about megan the stallion's hottie sauce her new collaboration with popeyes which i have yet to eat and which i am definitely going to i you know i i know the, the the other one that i can think of that is much more lackluster and much less brand oriented is the burger king meals that are supposed to be like real meals with people's real names including like a tiktoker who's got like allegations uh, fuck all of that. Pretend that TikToker with allegations—that's well, a whole that, genre of person. I know that, that could refer to multiple people, but like a YouTuber with allegations, yeah. more dark. <laughs> swipe it, swipe it right under the rug. You don't need all that in your life. I think it's going to be all about the hottie sauce at Popeyes, which is a dream collaboration. Me- Megan I, the Stallion, obviously iconic. Popeyes, fucking delicious. Doesn't have the uh, religious baggage that Chick Fil A does, for example. And then spicy. Who doesn't love spicy? Um, so yeah, I. Th- I it all I feels very on brand. It was very smart of her. Perfect branding. Um, it, the, when you were on this, and we were, it was you, me, and uh, Rebecca Alter from Vulture. Yes, queen. One of the things we were talking about was like, when are more female stars going to start getting in on this? Yes. And, I mean, the big answer to that question, even before Megan the Stallion was Saweetie, Saweetie. Uh, who did a collab with McDonald's. So that was an interesting one because not only was it the first female act to work with McDonald's, it was also the first one who wasn't like really, really famous. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of like, like she's like mo- she's like modestly successful. And the whole vibe I got from that was uh, things fell through with Megan the Stallion and Doja Cat was too problematic. Yeah. <laughs> and then probably, uh, I'm probably thinking of someone else who said no outright and they were like, well, there's Saweetie. Saweetie. Let's get into it. Yeah. Yeah. Which again, like the, the, the whole, the, I guess that's the other thing I wanted to highlight is that the Sweetie meal is 
again, just sort of a remixed regular meal. It's like the kind of have it your way. It was just a Big Mac. It's just a Big Mac. And maybe she suggests like putting fries on it or something. Not even. It was just like the whole point was they had like Saweetie sauce or something. <laughs> and that was just basically sweet and sour yeah, sauce. That was just rebranded. As far as I'm aware, the Megan Thee Stallion hottie sauce at Popeye's is a fully new, it's new, new IP, formulation. new yes. formulation, yeah. which is that's extremely elite. And and we're all I'm I'm very proud of her for, for getting that deal. Megan deserves this. Uh, 100 percent 100 percent she's been working extremely hard and i i just watched her her hot ones um episode where she she gets taken down to the end but the first like eight wings she's honestly chilling so she clearly her pa- her palate can handle the the capsaicin do you think anyone has done a podcast where they just review every episode of hot ones that's a great idea great free idea <laughs> yes yeah idea. someone go for that <laughs> Pod, this pod is like all, all I ask is you should invite me as a guest or something. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Uh, and so the other thing that we have to hit while you're still here is uh, you both were here to talk about Party Rock. We had a Party Rock uh, symposium. Yes. And Molly, you have just released your first Party Rock zine. Tell I, the people about it. I did. I made a, a I made a zine, a, a printed print only. As of this point, we'll see what happens. But uh, a limited edition print only zine celebrating Party Rock called Party Rock Volume One. There will be more volumes of the zine. There was an I wrote an essay about LMFAO, my favorite uncle son or uncle nephew duo, uh, keeping the Party Rock torch. Al- alive in their hearts hopefully and then i interviewed my former colleague and uh drinks expert dave infante about party rock beverages such as the uh og alcohol caffeine combo sparks uh and his experiences uh drinking those and experiencing those and then also interviewed the photographer and writer laura june kirsch who has a she was a uh, in-house photographer for House of Vans and also did a lot of photography for the Village Voice in the Party Rock. A, a era. previous guest on this show. previous guest on uh, on FluxPod, and she she was awesome. Got to talk to her about her experience uh, in that kind of like 2007 to 2016, I guess, uh, time era of photography. It's, it's basically Obama era energy. Obama era energy, top to bottom. Uh, you know, m- millennials feel feeling themselves. Millennials doing things. Um, and that was great to talk to her. So yeah, that was that was the Party Rock scene. It's a uh, I, I I sold out of my initial print run. I'll probably reprint and sell it again, and then I'll definitely make more issues of this because it seems like people liked it. That's the that's Party fantastic Rock report. Yeah, I feel I feel very. It was it was party it was it was fucking Party Rock. What can I say? Yeah, I'm glad I'm glad that you're going deep on this. Oh yeah, it's definitely not the end. There's a lot more to explore. So okay, before we get off this, like. Have you seen any solid party rock in the culture in the past few months? That's a great question. Do you, do you see any flickers of party rock come back? It's like, I want to say, like, I, I want to believe Chris, have you, have you seen anything in particular that is bubbling up that feels party rock? Uh, I would say that I saw a, uh, I think I saw the Metrograph, uh, was doing a, scre- a uh, screening of the 2012 House Party Comedy Project X. Oh, uh, which uh, clearly indicates a, a reappraisal of that uh, that particular movie, which I would say is a pretty uh, party rock movie. Totally. Um, so that that that's one thing that people people hunger for this. 
I keep uh, asking Molly, is this party rock when I see new things uh, come up? But, you know, um, oh, you know what's party rock, uh, Molly? Yeah. That weird band you discovered. Oh, you boys? Uh, we can't get into you boys right now. This is going to be, that's like another 30 minutes of podcasting. This and will we have be to go another... to a par- par- uh, parquet court show. We'll just leave, we'll leave it as a carrot and maybe this could be a future, another episode. Yeah, I'll, I'll play us out on, on you boys. Um, but yeah, you, you boys, all I'll say is that you boys are a new country uh, hip hop. They're, uh, they're country LMFAO. Country LMFAO. Wait, so, wait, so it sounds like someone just turned all the knobs on Florida Florida Georgia line all the way up. Exactly. That is exactly what your boys are. Uh but wow. We're we're only at the beginning of the journey with with that bit. like the there's much it more It makes to sense that the country realm would be the first to really go for it because I feel like they've been keeping the torch alive with you know your Florida Georgia lines, yeah. Luke Bryan's. Right. Totally. Yeah. So yeah, that that and then I the, I think the only other thing I'll say in terms of recent evidence is a uh, Swedish House Mafia recently it's they have a new song with the weekend and I think that they're slated to play Coachella 2022 Swedish House Mafia extremely party rock energy I think they got together in 2008 and made some of the most like kind of iconic big room EDM songs from that turn of the turn of the decade period that's party rock to me so if if they're yeah. getting back together who knows what else is going to happen the most party rock thing I've experienced recently was that Sleigh Bells show mm. at Webster Hall where they played all of Treats and then like, like, you know, like other great songs as well, some new ones. But that energy, I mean, like Sleigh Bells is already just the super hype act. Yeah. But ugh, the audience for that show, like, like they really are one of those things where like you just wouldn't go to the, see that if you weren't going to throw down. Right. It's a, so, it's a implied, yeah. imp- implied party rock consent where like, if you're there, you're, you're there. Yeah. Like if LMFAO was to reunite and do a tour, who would go to that except for people who were like, well, I'm going all the way tonight. Yes. No, <laughs> no one is going to go and be like, I think I'm going to just chill out. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be people like in full like costume, basically. <laughs> like, they, like, like, what did we dress like in 2009? Yeah. yeah. People are, pe- people are going to be searching um, a zebra stripe leggings on Depop furiously. Yeah. It's uh, great. We'll just like getting, finding whatever America and apparel they can get like this looking up like are there any cobra snake photos still online yes, yes, yeah <laughs> oh can't wait <laughs> all right well we did it we got through a uh, whole thing about festivals it's always a pleasure to have you both on thanks for would you thanks like to remind much. people where they can find the two of you Christopher, do you want to start? Uh, yeah, show? and introducing is available uh, wherever you find podcasts. The podcast is called "And Introducing." Um, we what's coming up on introducing? Soon? We have can you can you tease out? Yeah, anything? we have an episode about Mariah Carey coming up. We have an episode um, about the 2012 uh, documentary Jared Leto self-directed documentary about 30 Seconds to Mars called Artifact which is a very bad documentary, but uh, interesting fodder for discussion and uh, t- kind of getting into what Jared Leto and 30 Seconds to Mars whole deal is. Uh, we have- I mean, that guy's an absolute maniac, and this seems to be like peak maniac. Yeah, it, it, it really is. Uh, that'll be, and that's with the Indie Heads guys. Um, we've, we've got a, uh, an interview with a band coming up uh, where I think we're also going to talk about Oasis, 
Uh, we've got a lot of good <laughs> things. We've we've been uh, releasing much more erratically since we did our big run through of our bank of your life, but we hope to get more into a rhythm again back in in uh, yeah. new season, yeah. new, new season, season coming season. through. Totally. Uh, and then also we do Infinite Cast, a podcast about reading Infinite Jest, which can be found wherever you get podcasts. Just searching for Infinite Cast. Oh, uh, you know, a thing that Chris did that he is the co-host of and for some reason is not mentioned is he did a show called Hell of Presidents with Matt Christman that was on Stitcher. Stitcher Premium. Yes. Uh, so it's, it, yeah, Stitcher Premium. But it, I highly recommend it. Uh, Chris, let's do a pitch of, of what that is. Yeah, we're trying to do a um, kind of our our chapified Matt Christman's history of the united states as told through the office of the presidency and the people uh, the individuals who held it um and it basically is a kind of materialist uh view on american history we told with i hope some uh humor some irony uh and some general appreciation for historical nerdy nerdery um and the presidents we love them uh they're uh a bunch of 46 weirdos who uh yeah. have i, I love this country I, the, <laughs> I think the the episodes that i really got the most out of is i, I really love the the progressives episode with like teddy roosevelt yeah. i really like the uh I, oh, martin van buren of course uh, we love the little loves martin yeah, van buren magician absolute fast yes the little magician i love the little audio cues you had for the little magician mm-hmm. Um, and I really like the more recent stuff. Like, I think that there was a really good read on Lyndon Johnson. I really liked, uh, I feel like you made an extremely good negative case against Jimmy Carter. <laughs> yes. <laughs> a man who is, I think, either ignored or thought of as a, as a very lovable old, uh, kind man. He's, he's had a, a tremendously, uh, altruistic post-presidency, but his actual yeah. presidency is, uh, kind of a hinge point disaster, uh, in America. And, uh, probably not for the reasons, uh, you know, he was, he was attacked for at, at the time. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's, it's I recommend it. It's really good. Like all the president episodes are done and now you're doing some bonus ones, but yeah. Look into it. I highly recommend it. I'm sure you can pirate if you must, but you know, there are ways to pirate it if you uh, if you can't get on to Stitcher Premium. (laughs) But yeah, that's a that's a great show. Anyway, thank you for coming on again. Awesome. Thank you you so so much much for having us.